So, what are you giving up for Lent this year? Um, I have no idea. And I probably should know because, what is it, a week from now? Got to be in all the way. Got to be in all the way. Got to be in all the way. Welcome to the Millennial Mission Podcast, How to Lent. Let's get Lent started. So since many of you guys know Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday are on the same day this year, I did choose between one of the two to do a podcast on. But we went with Lent because, let's be honest, I don't have a Valentine this year. So I hope you're getting some good suffering in. You're getting a good burn in to start off your Lent. We're going to bring on today my super friend and friend of the show, Josh Hamilton, because Lent is best when it's done with others. So me and him are going to talk about what we're doing for Lent this year, our best and worst experiences, and to teach you how to Lent. We've even got a montage later on that. We're also going to interview one of my favorite professors at the Augusta Institute, Dr. Ben Akers, to give us a formal breakdown on Lent and some tips of his. But first, I'm going to ask some friends of mine what they're doing for Lent, their best experience in the past. So let's go. This year, I'm going to give up not putting things away after I use them. So maybe instead of giving something up, I'm doing something. And every time that I put something away, when it needs to be put away, like I should, I'm going to offer that for someone. So every single day, it will be a different person that I'm offering my putting away actions for. Uh, Well... I, I haven't decided for sure, but I've kind of brainstormed some things. And I've just realized lately, you know, all the time we have is really a gift from God. So I want to use my time better to serve him more. So I'm going to do some things that um, provide for that. For example, I decided I'm going to give up my snooze button. That's a good question. I'm probably going to... Um, add a devotional book. Do you have any in mind yet? Yeah, I'm going to read a book on the station churches in Rome by George Weigel. Cool. So what is that about exactly? It's about um, the different churches in Rome that are opened on one day of the year for a day during Lent, and their special masses. It's an ancient pilgrimage devotion. I, like, I really struggle with pride with like my hair. So I shaved my head off for Lent, and yeah, that was good. So why do people give up things for Lent? Well, yeah, just to, like, detach from the world and to imitate Jesus better. I'd say those are pretty good reasons. To grow in love. I think there's a lot of people who maybe don't know that's the reason and give up things because they're hard or give up things because they're told to or give up things out of some sense of Catholic guilt. 
I think a lot of people just do it without thinking about it because they um, they just you know that's what you do for Lent. But um, think uh, you know there's multiple reasons. Like one is you know detachment from the things of the world, but also um, um, detachment from sin. So um, sometimes we can give up things that maybe are an occasion for sin for us. But even even if we don't give up something directly related to sin, just having a spirit of penance um, in little things can help us even avoid temptations to sin that are unrelated. So I'm joined by one of my best friends. I would say he's in my best friend triumvirate. I've got got three, so he's part of the trio. So he'll have to kill off the other two. Um, Josh Hamilton, excited to have him back. We haven't had him on the show for a long time. So first, Josh, I have to ask you, what are you giving up for Lent? Well, this year I was thinking uh, I'm such a happy person. I need to kind of rid myself of that. So I think I'm going to give up being happy for Lent. Um, so I decided to get married this summer and that pretty much should take care of it. There you go. I was actually going to ask you or like hoping, or maybe Sarah, your wife was going to do this. I was hoping you would be giving up puns for Lent because that would just be good for the entire world. <laughs> no, uh, I feel like the Lord has blessed me with my ability to do puns. And I think it would be a shame if those were to be given up at any point. I think that would be counterproductive and a detriment to the world. Yeah. The world would die a little bit. That would truly yeah, be no. the beginning of the end. Yeah. So, Josh, for real, what are what are you giving up for Lent this year? It's funny, actually. My wife and I, my wife Sarah and I, had this conversation last night, kind of talking about what we're going to give up. We're not exactly sure. We're still kind of working things out. But usually, when we talk about what we're going to give up for Lent, we'll usually um, talk about what are our goals and then try to focus what we give up on that. So, one of the main things is we're both going to give up watching TV. Uh, we've been going to the office recently, so second to eating, most of my time day-to-day has been spent watching The Office, which um, as a youth minister is somewhat productive, but as a kind of Catholic person who's trying to be holy, less so. So we're going to try to give up that and focus on you know, conversation between us, not that we have trouble with that, but just more of that and, and more time reading and you know, I can smoke my pipe out on my porch and contemplate the questions of life things like that so it should be good that's what getting rid of the office does for your life you contemplate the deeper things in life well yeah usually using office analogies but at least i'll uh you know at least i won't be watching the office yeah i think for me this year i'm trying to rally up another group so last year i'll talk about more about this later i tried doing exodus 90 i tried and mostly succeeded i would say probably at least half succeeded so exodus 90 is just intense form of Lent. So basically imagine anything that you can give up and you just give up all of it, like literally everything you can imagine. So, but it's something that's really difficult. And I did last year with friends of mine in Flint. We we would meet twice a week to kind of catch up on how we're doing. I'm trying to rally up another group of victims to do it with me. So I've got one other guy. I need a couple more because you really, you really need like four to get it going. And I, I don't know. I feel kind of the slant that the Lord's 
calling like I've been doing really well spiritually the last month, which is kind of an, an aberration for me. So I feel like I've also felt a desire because I feel like I've been really like glued to devices. Like I'm always listening to music, have podcasts, have like watching YouTube. I've always got something going on unless I'm like actively working or going to school or let's be honest, I have things going on even when I'm studying. So I feel, yeah, yeah I feel like I want to go really hard this Lent. So I think a great way to talk about Lent is to talk about our best and worst experiences. And so, you know, to keep within the depressing way that people look at Lent a lot of times, let's start with the worst experience. So what are, what are some of your worst experiences ever with Lent? Mm-hmm. I'm a pretty poisonous optimist so i don't normally remember the worst experiences of things i'm pretty optimistic but um, i think in general my kind of worst couple of lengths ironically came um in my times where i was like most excited about the faith most most excited about kind of following christ and being a disciple but i think what happened is you know i'm a very passionate kind of zealous person so i let like i let that excitement get me kind of too unfocused um, you know, so I would give up too many things and also not focusing on the reason I was giving them up, mm-hmm. but more just like, I'm going to like, I'm going to kill my flesh. Like I'm going to, you know, detach myself from my flesh and, you know, I'm going to eat bread and water, you know, you can do, um, you're going to start using the flagellations of like the little um, whip things and yeah, exactly. I throw myself in a thorn bush, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, for me, it's it's becoming a confirmation director, but either way, it hurts. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. Love you guys. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, I can't think of a specific example of a, of a moment, but I know there's been a few years that kind of come to me as, you know, I had the right kind of excitement and passion, but I just didn't take the time beforehand to really like focus on, okay, what am I trying to get out of this? You know, how, how am I what part of my relationship with the Lord am I working on? And I think in the years where I do that, um, you know, I do usually the same amount of intense stuff, but it's just focused towards an end instead of kind of, I'm going to give up chocolate and, you know, this, and I'm not going to do this. I'm going to pray for an hour a day. And, and there's just kind of no continuity. You know, for me, I see it more as like, okay, this is a retreat and I need to focus on like specific things on this retreat. Um, so that probably my worst experiences are when I don't do that. And when I just kind of, uh, just go at it swinging. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it as Lent as an active retreat. For me, my worst experiences, I've had definitely a few times where I remember when I was younger and like I was in high school, I would get about two weeks into Lent and I would like, oh, it's Lent. What should I give up this year? And I would actually think about, man, what have I not I have already done? Have I not eaten chocolate? I'm not a huge chocolate guy. So like, have I eaten chocolate over the last two weeks? Like I usually want to start something new, but I would try to keep doing with whatever I already hadn't failed at. And I also had a couple of years as well where I'm like, man, I'm just going to give up like a sin in my life. And, you know, giving up sin, that's like always a good thing. So for me, especially when I was in high school, it was like porn and masturbation. And so I would try going through Lent for that. But like, if you think about it, like you should be trying to, I should be trying to give up sin like all year. Like it shouldn't be like, okay, I'm going to give it up. And I remember this is kind of like, there's some years where I gave up sin and I would be like, oh, glad this is done. I can go right back into it. And I, you know, looking back, you can see (laughs) how obviously like my heart 
and not that it's anywhere close to all the way now, but like I just w- didn't have that real conversion, like internally. Yeah, so I think those are probably my worst. So, what is your best experience, or maybe one or two of your best experiences with the Lent that you've ever had? I've already kind of hinted at it, but uh, some of my best kind of experiences of Lent have been those times when I not only am kind of excited about Lent, but I really take the time and preparation um, to make sure that, you know, what I'm doing has benefits. And as you were talking, it reminded me of something that I've also uh, been focusing on. And my wife's actually really good at kind of reminding me to focus on this, but you know, that what we do during Lent, while it should be kind of extraordinary in a sense of it's a little bit more than we usually do, it should either fortify or establish new habits in our lives. So those also are kind of my best Lent experiences. You know, so for example, you know, if I, during years when I really felt like my daily prayer life had kind of fallen to the wayside, you know, during Lent, I'd focus on, you know, um, getting that daily prayer. And maybe I do something a little bit more extreme that I wanted than, than I wanted to kind of establish my life, but I didn't want it to be like, I'm going to pray for, you know, 30 minutes a day. And then as soon as lunch over, well, that's done. Thank God. You know, it's like, okay, now I've established this habit. I'm used to it. You know, maybe I'm doing 15 to 30 minutes a day. Um, or, you know, if I'm giving up, you know, chocolate or something like that, you know, I'm trying to teach myself to say no to the things of the flesh. Um, so maybe when I get done with Lent, I'm not giving up chocolate anymore, but, you know, the idea of maybe I should pick up a fast each week just to kind of remind myself that I'm not kind of a material consumer, that I really need to detach myself in order to be more attached to God. Um, so I think those two things, you know, having the preparation and kind of intentional focus, to use a Catholic buzzword, um, on what I'm doing during Lent, and then also doing all those things in order to either strengthen or establish a new habit or an existing habit once I'm done with Lent. So for my wife and I, again, you know, our idea with not watching TV is to kind of purge in a way ourselves from TV, step back, hit the reset button. And then of course, when we're done with Lent, we'll go back to being able to watch TV. But, you know, hopefully we've kind of picked up a new love for, you know, taking walks, conversations, um, you know, reading books and that kind of thing. And, and we'll be more kind of at the correct balance when we're done. Yeah. I think for me, it wasn't until actually the last two years where I feel like I started doing Lent well. And the first year I did, um, it was actually so Josh, who's talking, you may have picked up, he works in youth ministry. He just started doing that this year. He was doing that before a couple of years ago. I worked in college, like campus ministry with college students, and I totally just jacked, so stole an idea from Michigan State, which is where me and Josh went to school together. They did the Corporal Works of Mercy. Mercy. They did it in the summer, so I decided, okay, we're going to totally steal that idea and do it for Lent. So our group, you know, it wasn't like everyone would show up, but Corporal Works of Mercy, just a rehash for those of you who are listening, it's based off of Matthew 25, so when Jesus talks about when I was hungry, like you fed me, so... It's feed the hungry, drink, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, visit the sick, visit prisoners, and then bury the dead. Bury the dead is not Matthew 25, but it's talked about in like Tobit and, you know, it's it's a good thing to do. So we just, we didn't have enough because like if you think about the math, you can't do seven and seven because that's 49 days and that's only 40. And we didn't want to do anything like during Easter weekend. So what we did is we just, kind of laid out and tried to do as many as we could do. So feed the hungry, 
Um, we went to a soup kitchen. I literally lived right across the street from Catholic Charities, and so they had a soup kitchen, so we fed them, uh, gave drink to the thirsty. I was living in Flint during, as you know, Josh, like during the water crisis. So, um, you know, it was really easy um, <laughs> to find water bottles to hand out. So we did like service for that. Shelter the homeless. Um, we went around Flint. And this was, this was probably my favorite one that we did. We actually went and I, Josh, I'm pretty sure you've done stuff like this before, but we went around uh, a few of us intentionally trying to meet home pe- homeless people downtown. And then we just took them out to lunch at a nice restaurant and talked to them and got to know them. Um, we also visit the sick. We just like, you know, some people that were homebound at the parish went and just spent time with them, talk with them. Um, tried doing visiting prisoners, um, but that is a, legal jungle gym and it's not very fun to go through so that didn't end up happening and then bury the dead um that was the last one we did we just went to there's like a local catholic cemetery that's kind of in disrepair there's a really awesome professor um catholic professor at the university i was kind of attached to and we went out with him and maintained the place and that was like my first like awesome experience about lent not being about me because i feel like a lot of time it's like okay what am i going to do to make myself suffer for Lent, but it was like, what can I actually do um, to serve and help other people? Um, mm. My second experience was with Exodus 90. So I hinted about this earlier, um, giving up everything. So let's go through the list of Exodus 90. Um, so their, their huge thing is asceticism. It's basically giving up things or like attachment to the world. And let's go through the list. Cold, lukewarm slash short showers. No booze, no desserts and sweets. No eating between meals. No soda or sweetened drinks. No television or movies. So no TV or movies without permission of the group. So um, if I do it this year, I am totally going to see Black Panther on Sunday. Um, only music that lifts the soul to God. No televised sports. So that means no March Madness um, without permission of the group. Computer for schoolwork. School slash work only. That's probably the craziest one Um regular and intense exercise group holy hour and meetings no major material purchases besides like toiletries and basic stuff unless you have permission of the group and trying to get this isn't like necessarily like okay you need to get like seven hours of sleep a night kid so it was that then we would meet together a couple times a week um, and we had like a prayer regimen and it was basically it was hard like it was really intense i've had some other friends that have done it afterwards I definitely had days where I failed to do one or more of the things, but um, I feel like what you were talking about earlier, Josh, like it wasn't that all these separate things were evil was the reason I did it. Like, it's not like TV or YouTube or other stuff is like the devil and I needed to root out of my life and be a super like Puritan or something like that. But the thing is my heart was just like overly attached to these things to the world and I like that needed to be rooted out like I was so like obsessed and overwhelmed like I was uncomfortable with silence I was always like I said earlier but it was even worse back then like I was always listening to something I couldn't sit still Um, I didn't really I made a lot of time for those things in my life but I didn't make time in my life for the Lord or even for like friendships and relationships with other and so like it was out of like the balance was out of whack And by doing it, like, afterwards, I just felt like a really just amazing freedom, Um, a freedom that, you know, I don't need these things. Like, I need the Lord, and I need other people. And it was a really 
hard and beautiful experience. Um, I've called it Exodus. So it's called Exodus 90. Um, and you don't, the great thing about this is at least on Sundays, like you can kind of relax it. You don't just go completely back into what you were doing before. But afterwards, you're not supposed to do it on solemnity. So those are like kind of days of celebration within the church. So in the liturgical calendar and all of <laughs> Easter from, I think it's from like either Holy Thursday. It's like the octave of Easter is all solemnity. So basically we had like a week of not doing it. So it became Exodus 40 instead of Exodus 90. <laughs> so I'm trying to do it this year again. Um, it crashed and burns. I'm going to be realistic and just try to do it for those 40 days. So Lent is something that we Catholics and many Christians seem to do, but why? What is Lent exactly? What's its purpose? To answer these questions, I brought in one of my favorite professors from the Augustine Institute, Dr. Ben Akers. Lent is a season that we celebrate in the church where we are united with Christ in the mystery of the 40 days that he spent in the desert. And we're not spending 40 years in a physical desert, but it's a chance for us to spend 40 days of preparation uh, in a spiritual desert, in a sense, as we prepare for the great moment of the resurrection that we celebrate 40, 40 days afterwards. The, the word Lent is, doesn't really help us as Catholics listening to it because it doesn't mean anything. The, actually, the Catholic term, the Catholic title for Lent is quadragesima in Latin, which actually means the 40th day because it's the 40th day before Easter. So it's a season of preparation. So just as we have seasons uh, in our secular calendar where we prepare for baseball season, we prepare for football season, uh, we have these, you know, these, these rhythms that we celebrate in our secular calendar. Let's say opportunity that the church invites us to uh, prepare and unite ourselves with Christ as he uh, enters the Passion and will carry the cross for our salvation. I think one of the things that we do as Catholics is we get excited about Lent. One of the most well-attended masses that you'll see in the liturgical year is Ash Wednesday because you get you get something out of it. You get ashes on your forehead, and then also at the end of the season of Lent, where we celebrate Palm Sunday, you get a palm that's handed out to you, and we commemorate you know shouting and welcoming Jesus as the King uh, coming into Jerusalem and triumphant triumphantly the week before he, that we celebrate his uh, death and resurrection. And so one of the things that we can do as Catholics to enter into the season is to, you know, we, we're all, we, we like entering Lent. We like to give up. We like the idea of giving up chocolate. We like the idea of giving up TV or some giving up something. But that's important. That's an important part of Lent, giving up something in particular. But more importantly, it's how are we going to grow closer to Christ? Because we give up these things in order to draw closer to Christ. So it's good to give something up for Lent, and I encourage people to give something up for Lent. But uh, more importantly, give something up. You know, fast from something that you really, you know, maybe uh, are really attracted to. Maybe chocolate, maybe alcohol, maybe dessert, maybe um, the internet outside of what you need to do for work or school. But also make a resolution for how you're going to grow closer to Christ in prayer. How are you going to love God and love neighbor? That's what the virtue of charity is. It allows us to love God and love others. So what can you do this Lent uh, to you know, fast from something, 
to help others and grow closer to Christ. But don't make huge, grandiose plans because too often we'll break that on by you know the Thursday after Ash Wednesday or maybe the Saturday after the first Friday in Lent. Uh, just take baby steps, just one little step that you can do. And if those you know one of those each areas is too much, just pick one of those areas that you really want to focus in on and uh, try to be faithful to it throughout Lent. And if you fail, that's okay. Just get up. And the, the saints have this wonderful phrase of saying, nunc cepi in Latin, nunc cepi, today I begin. So every single time that we fail, just get up. And, you know, if we need to go to confession, go to confession. Um, but just make a new resolution to be faithful all the way through so we can uh, welcome Christ risen from the dead at Easter. Like if I think about Lent for so many Christians and Catholics, it's just something that they do because it's something you do. Mm. And it just feels like I'm just going to make my suffer, myself suffer. It's almost like a diet where like, I guess that's, I, it's a good thing for me. It's good that other people do it. I hope that, you know, but I don't really need to do it. Like it'd be nice if I did. So it's kind of a time of intentional suffering. If you have this view of God, that's completely like, that's not based around this relationship with Christ and relationship with the Lord. But Lent, what it's truly about, and what it comes down to is discipleship, is to be a Christian, to be a Catholic, to be a Catholic Christian, means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what a Christian, calling yourself Christian means. And to follow Jesus is to be in relationship with him. And that doesn't just mean for the times when things are great. I think what we find in Scripture and also what Lent, what Lent really points to is the times of following Jesus where it's difficult for him. Like his times in his life where, I mean, I'm not assuming that any part of his life wasn't a struggle or didn't require a lot of like effort and commitment, like commitment out of love for us. But I think it points to two times in Jesus' life of difficulty is finding, following Jesus first into the desert. Like that's what he did before he did his public ministry. Jesus before Actually, I think it was immediately after his baptism. He went out into the desert and fasted for 40 days, was tempted by the devil in like all these like different ways. And Jesus isn't saying in that time, I think like by his action, that is to do really anything with him or to grow with him into his ministry. And that's what the point of Jesus's life was, was to go and like ransom the captives, to set people free and to eventually like die on the cross for us following Jesus into the desert is that time with this time of Lent where we can grow um, and see that we really don't need all these other things in our life. What really matters first is first and foremost is that we're following the Lord. And the other thing that Lent points to is the end of Lent is Holy Thursday. Like, I mean, Holy Thursday, we have the Easter Triduum. So like good Friday Lent means also following like Jesus to the cross and to intentionally take on suffering because that's a part of the Christian life. That's something that we can't ignore. We can't ignore the suffering that God, in a lot of ways, as the same way he called Jesus his son out of love for him and for us to suffer, he calls us to suffer as well. Mm. And Jesus, like he intentionally chose his cross. Like there's nothing accidental about it. And so in the same way, like we can carry our own crosses like with the Lord. So that's what Lent like prepares us for. Exactly. And I, and I think our culture today especially has, you know, I call it an allergy to suffering. We're kind of allergic to suffering. Maybe it's more of a, um, a, a sensitivity 
uh, to suffering, uh, like a wheat sensitivity or something. But I think people are, you know, they're imagining that happiness comes from kind of being able to avoid suffering. You know, if only this person didn't have to suffer this way, they'd be happy. But what's funny about it is I think we find the greatest suffering among people who are healthy, wealthy, and um, kind of doing okay by all standards. I remember a quote by Mother Teresa, some an interviewer asked her, Mother Teresa, where do you find the greatest poverty in the world? You know, and of course, they're looking for like a country or a place she'd been or a slum she'd been. And I mean, the place she worked, especially in India, I mean, you're talking about some of the, some of the poorest slums in the world, but very quickly and easily, she says, nope, where I saw the most suffering, where the most poverty was in the United States. She just comes right out and says it. That has always just like hit me hard. She said, yeah, people in, you know, Haiti and, and, you know, um, the slums of India. Other places. Yeah, the slums of India, all these places. Like, yes, they're poor in material things. But she said, and she recounted a story where, I think it was in Haiti, I may be wrong, but, you know, she was kind of going to sleep and she just heard like music rising up from this kind of poor slum. And the people were just singing and singing joyfully at night. And she, you know, and she recounts this in, in, in the way that you know, these people may be poor in material things but they're not poor kind of spiritually and they're they actually have hope that's found in christ they have hope in suffering they know god more than kind of any of us can in some ways and so i think in our culture that's afraid of suffering and it's afraid of you know love being anything more than a feeling um i think it's important for us not to fight the culture the culture's bad um, but just remind ourselves that, you know, we we serve a greater purpose and there's a greater reality than kind of what we're told or what we experience even sometimes. Because, you know, material things feel good in the moment. But I think we all know, you know, in denying ourselves and choosing something greater, we kind of find a peace and a happiness that's not there with the material things. It's it's the story of St. Ignatius, you know, who reading the story of the knights would get super excited, but that would quickly fade. And then he started reading the story of the saints and he said, you know, that the excitement would never fade. It was like, it just kept building. And I think for us, that's the same thing with suffering. And it doesn't have to be this like masochistic extreme situation, you know, again, where we um, throw ourselves into rose bushes and things. It doesn't have to be that kind of suffering, but you know, it, it could even be like, you know, I'm going to choose to not get the coffee that I enjoy every day. And then maybe you replace that with something else, like I'm going to take that money and give it to, you know, the poor in some way, or I'm going to find, you know, somebody who's homeless and take them out to dinner, or, you know, we can find ways to intentionally show God, I trust you, God, I trust that you are the root of all happiness, and I don't need to go anywhere else for that happiness. When I was preparing for the podcast, um, a line from one of my favorite movies stood out to me. So the movie's called Bottle Shock. It's set in the 1960s, 1970s at a small California vineyard where the man who runs the vineyard, who left everything, he quit his job just to grow wine because he loved wine. And he, what he wanted more than anything else in the world was to produce a world-class wine, so something that could compete against the most famous vineyards in France. So they have a time in the movie where he's growing the grapes and someone on the farm asks him why like he does not water his grapes very much 
And he looks at the guy and he goes, when you starve the grapes of water, when you, when you leave them parched, that's when they produce the most rich flavor. Because then they have to fight for it. They have to fight for the flavor that they're producing. And it, and it works. And I feel like that is exactly what Lent is. In Lent, when we deprive ourselves of things that we, we want and don't need, and even sometimes of things that we need for a period of time, we discover in our lives, in a relationship with the Lord, and our prayer life, and in our friendships with family and friends, this richness that we never had in our life before. And it's a beautiful thing that happens. So don't be afraid to deprive yourself of things you don't need. Because in the end, when the fruit is ripened, it's worth it. So for Lent this year, to make it easy for all of you that are listening, because we really know Lent is about doing easy things, we are giving you a few tips from Lent that you can do right now um, since today is Ash Wednesday. So let's cue the montage, baby! First tip, prayer. If you don't already pray daily, so every day, Set your alarm 5, 10, 15 minutes early this Lent. Pull your Bible, pick a gospel, you know, let's say Luke. Pick the first paragraph of the whole book and sit for 5, 10, 15 minutes speaking to the Lord in your heart and listening to the scripture. Do the same thing every day and just go to the next paragraph and the next paragraph after that each day. Second tip, fasting. Fasting is secretly awesome. So pick something in your life that the Lord is calling you to give up for Lent and cut it out. On Fridays, you can also cut down the portion size of two of your meals in half, and don't forget to cut out meat. Offer your fasting for someone you know that's in need of prayers. Third tip, almsgiving. Be generous with your time and your money. Volunteer to serve the poor or help out at your church. If you don't regularly tithe or donate money, start by giving 1% or 2% of your income to God every week and keep some cash at hand to also hand out and give to those in need and the poor. Fourth tip, bring a friend. Lent is so much better together. Pick a friend who shares your faith and meet with them or call them once a week to talk about Lent and how it's been going. And be sure to pray for them. You know, try every day in the meantime. Fifth tip, start over. It's totally normal and okay to mess up one of your Lenten resolutions. But if you fail, just start over immediately. Just try again. You're only a failure if you don't get back up. Lent is also a great time to start over spiritually by going to confession. So do it, especially if you haven't been in a while. There's plenty of opportunities over Lent. And that's it. That is how to Lent, baby. Do it. Thank you, Josh, for having it on. I hope you suffer as much as I do during this Lent. Oh, believe me, I'm married. I'll suffer more than you will. I'm just kidding. Right. I'll be honey. <laughs> Love you, Sarah. All right. Goodbye. Oh, that was weird. What? <laughs> no, I wanted, you have to get to that was weird in there. <laughs> that was weird. That was weird.
Thank you all for listening. We want to know what you do in this Lent. So comment on whatever app or web zone or pizza you're using to let us know. If you love this podcast or at least enjoyed suffering through it, subscribe on whatever app or website or pizza you're using as well. You can also sign up for my fancy emails to know as soon as we've conjured another diabolical podcast. Special thanks to Danny Blank and Carol Sharon, who's, who's actually my mom um, and my valentine, since I don't have one, for supporting me on Patreon and making this podcast possible. So Patreon's kind of like Kickstarter, but it renews every month and it's for content creators like me. So thanks for keeping the lights on. And if you're interested in going, you can go to our, our little link below. This fall, we're starting the first ever Millennial Mission household here in the Denver area. It's going to be made of awesome Catholic guys looking to go radically in faith together and to build a missional community of young adults. If you're interested in joining, I would love to meet you in person or like call or something like that. So email me at taylor at millennialmission.org so we can meet up and talk. That's it. Thanks again. And I hope you all suffer delightfully throughout this Lent. Hey.